best part about being friends with Liam is that the second he's not interested in the conversation, <laughs> he shuts down and lets you know. He's like, let's stop talking about this. <laughs> that's a, You're that's a very efficient true. conversationalist. It's all in the I don't know expression. if efficient, it's more like selfish. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one. Mm. What is this program? Have we started? Boy. Eric is our friend and guest on this really rough start of media major you, you may remember me from we that we can t- take a breather and then just kind of like center ourselves welcome to media major shortest opening we've ever done eric is here hey. he's back again he's gonna tell us a tale later i'm liam senior that's tom lockney tom and i are buds and yep. we tell each other stories from our preferred world of media i like movies and television and I'm I'm interested in internet culture and video games. On any other podcast, I would take the role of being the expert on movies and t- well, movies more than TV. But here, I talk about sports. Bitter Betty over here. I that's just true. <laughs> that's fair. Liam, kick us off. Ugh. Here we go. Getting right into it. August thirty first, nineteen forty nine. No screaming. Mm-hmm. My voice hurts. I haven't screamed in a long time. Those are the old days. Oh, of course. Uh, Richard Tiffany Gear was born (laughs) on August 31st, 1949. I'm not making it. I like this already. That is his his middle name. It is the woman's name, Tiffany. I love it. Good for him. Right? Killing it. He is an American actor known for his roles in such films as An Officer and a Gentleman, Pretty Woman, and Chicago. I used to get him mixed up with Henry Winkler. Really? Yeah, when I was a kid. They don't look that much alike. I saw... Well, no. I thought he played the dad on Holes. I thought thought Ah. that was Richard Gere. Oh, oh, dig him. (laughs) Sasquatch? Is that you? (laughs) No, Caveman. Fuck. Alright, I fucked it up. Was there a guy named Sasquatch in Holes? No. No. We'll never we'll never know. He's, and he's doing zigzags line anyway. Yeah, this is true. This no, has I'm been doing Holes the trivia. hook to the song. Oh right. Zigzag's just yeah. the one who does like Guys. He's part of it, whatever. The fucking yeah, iconic that's song. Part of the hook. At least oh. at least right. I said a guy who was part of it. Get your like early aughts Americana together. Jesus, Liam. It's continue. not America. okay. This that's exactly early what it is. Americana is a general American culture. Americana yeah, Americana is not like fetishistic 50s stuff. It is all of American culture. Not I like 1850s. <laughs> is the glory days of it. Yep. After starring in Paul Schrader's American Gigolo, he became very successful and an American sex symbol, even marrying model Cindy Crawford in the early 90s. So ends part 1 of my story. <laughs> On to part 2. Part one of part one of Liam's story is just Richard Gere is a person, yeah. <laughs> and his middle name is Tiffany. His wife's name was Cindy, and he was a sex symbol. This is important. Mm-hmm. Okay, so have you guys ever heard of the promiscuous rock star tall tale? No. The legend goes that a rock star was sent to a hospital one night to get. Uh, his or her stomach pumped, and they removed a gallon of semen out of the stomach when the doctors pumped it out. Okay, well, this is very on brand for us. Right? Yeah. So the thing is, is that um, 
it's you know this is a urban legend that's been attributed to elton john david bowie mick jagger andy warhol all of the new kids on the block your guess is as good as mine on that and one ted alanis morissette lil kim and britney spears i wish right? that ted nugent that would uh the icing on the cake would be the gallons of semen that were pumped out of his stomach mm-hmm. Uh, it's also never been proven. I don't think it's, uh, I believe it's medically never been proven that that amount of semen has been pumped out of somebody's stomach. I'm sure it's possible. Oh, no, it's possible, but it's never been, like, medically recorded. I mean, people drink gallons of milk all the time. Okay. Semen's milk, right? <laughs> no, it, Tom, I don't have the time Wait, to it, tell you how milk different it is. literally the one that you throw up if you drink a gallon of it too quickly? Actually, yes. uh... Oh, normally no. yes, but there are people who can do it without puking. I mean, okay, but that does kind of preclude your people do it all the time theory. <laughs> yeah, well, people do do it all the time. They try to, and then they throw it up. Anyways, speaking of throwing up, don't drink up, gallons of milk. <laughs> a similar tale involving the removal of an animal from one's anus was similar. Oh, and it stuck to only one person. Oh, this old chestnut. Oh boy, I went the moment you said Richard Gere, I should have known. Yeah, how did you not how did either of you not Cuz it's it's react? been so long since that So, the thing about the promiscuous rock star story is that it's it's never like actually stuck to anyone. Yeah. Elton John is probably the closest contender, but it's it you know, people pretty much wave it off. The gerbil being removed oh, from one's anus stuck like fucking glue to Richard Gere. <laughs> it's stuck like a gerbil inside its own anus. A cacophony of gerbils inside anuses. Ew. Oh, God. <laughs> and here's the thing. The amount like, of times that I have to quietly whisper, oh, God, on this podcast is a lot. A choral right? symphony based in the round of gerbils and anuses. It's oh, an Ouroboros. It's like a snake eating itself if one end of the snake was Richard Geard's butt and the other end was a gerbil. It's a, it's more of an anal oubliette. Yeah. And uh, that's such a beautiful turn of phrase. So many lush anal syllables. Anal oubliette. Yeah. yeah. It's a very nice. Very lyrical. Yeah. Bruno Mars, you can keep that one. Yeah. So here's the thing. It's not true. There's never been any medical record of a gerbil being removed from anybody. Uh, it's supposed that the whole, that the actual concept of, like, putting a gerbil in one's butt uh, came from, like, homophobes coming oh. up with things that, like, gay, like depraved gay people would this do. This surprises me not at all. Cause, right? Because if you put a gerbil in your butt, it would um, bite you and die. Yeah. Which gay people love. Uh, it is clung to <laughs> Gay people to... all really want to die. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... You don't, no. don't. Clung- <laughs> Let's just stop that joke right there. I want to die also was the joke I was going to I frequently want to die, and I'm not even gay. Same. It has clung tenaciously to Mr. Gear's name since at least the mid-80s. Rumors that he had an emergency gerbilectomy <laughs> at Cedar sinai Hospital in California have spread far and wide, and countless doctors and nurses claimed to have participated and been on hand during or heard from a reliable colleague about the procedure. Also known as, a lot of doctors and nurses don't have interesting personal lives in California. No. Yeah, I, uh... Yep, yep, that was me. You want to know something about me? Tinder bio, uh, like, uh, I'm 5'7", I'm a doctor, and in the late 90s, I removed an animal from actor Richard Gere's butt. Ask me about removing a gerbil from Richard Gere's ass. Winky face. The rumor spread was aided by an anonymous <laughs> prankster, 
who not long after the film Pretty Woman led to a tremendous increase in Gears' popularity, flooded fax machines in Hollywood with a phony press release purportedly issued by the Association for the Prevention of the Cruelty to Animals, <laughs> claiming that Gear had abused a gerbil. But, as a reporter from esteemed news source the National Enquirer found out when he attempted to track down the gerbil, the gerbil story, which is kind of a funny the <laughs> gerbil when you think about it. Well, when you track I wonder how far the gerbil hole goes. Yeah. Uh, I would say about the length of Richard Gere's butt. Well, yeah, it's a, you just have to open Richard Gere up. So the story is nebulous, and there are a lot of, like, uh, some say this, some say that. Oh, some say that the gerbil was shaved into Claude. Others say that it was in a little plastic pouch. Oh, wow. Um, not true. <laughs> this is some so... Say, some say the gerbil was dead. Some oh. say the gerbil was not dead. Just... Some say it was one doctor. Some say it was an entire team <laughs> of doctors. A team <laughs> of skilled surgeons could not put Richard Gere's ass back together again. <sighs> More like Humpty Dumper. <laughs> are we doing Are we doing silly jokes? Because I've heard of Goatsy, but this is ridiculous. Nice. Gerbilsy. Well, the best part was that some say that it was a pet of Gears that he <laughs> named Tibet. Because of his, uh, you know, free Tibet charities and whatnot. Uh, and maybe he was trying to be China in a very dramatic uh, art piece. Richard Gere was asked about the rumor on press on a press tour for the Knights of Rodanth, and he referred to it as the hamster up my bum urban myth. <laughs> so who's to say what's real? I think like, I can reasonably say that none of this... Probably. Wow. Now, there is an actual recorded case of someone sticking a dribble up their butt, not in a, in a medical sense, but in a police sense, because they tried to light the gerbil on fire what? out of the butt. What? What? In Salt Lake City. Wait. In, uh, in <laughs> oh, fucking, of course, it was Salt Lake. Yeah. It was either there or Tallahassee. They go hard in Salt Lake City. Yeah, and basically what happened was that... Oh, God. I'm sorry, everybody. After an emergency oh, treatment, boy. after a felching session gone seriously oh, wrong, God they had tried to push a cardboard tube up the rectum God and sort of, like, slit, like, kind of, just kind of, like, slide it out. Like and then I guess they tried to light it on fire. Oh, my God. Oh, see, they wanted to see, <laughs> they had to see if the gerbil was in the cardboard <laughs> tube. So they lit a match. And what's the thing that happens with butts and matches, everybody? When there's a cardboard tube just sort of propelling everything into one direction. Well, the air lit on fire, as farts tend to do. And uh, that's why you don't share gerbil up your butts, kids. There are a lot of other reasons. <laughs> but I think that one is because you will burn your face friend's face off. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm just, you know what, I think we're all in stunned silence. I'm Liam. Are we? I, I am. I'm enjoying this immensely. There were lots of details in that story that I had not considered, and now I, I've been forced to engage with that uh, gruesome tale on a level that I was not expecting to ever have to engage on uh, in, in my entire life. Was it the plastic pouch? Because that's what I said. That that's what I noticed, like a visual change in your demeanor. It was. It was the. It was 
that's when the the visual t- change took hold but it was definitely when you mentioned that they would d- declaw it and my brain went yeah I, you know what they would probably have to take the teeth out too in order for yeah. this to work and then i just got like visibly depressed I'd say so. Which doesn't work on on an audio medium, but I like to think I like to think that I was putting out an energy so strong that even listeners were stunned by the silence. I just can you imagine getting a text like like what are you up to from some like random friend of yours just like, "Oh, I'm just pulling out a gerbil's teeth so I can stick it up my friend's ass later." That phone is on fire now and it's <laughs> in the garbage and I'm driving to go kill that friend. I just Anytime, anytime I hear... And I'm in the car behind Tom asking if we can go to Denny's afterwards. Because I've never been, and I hear so many good things. It's just, anytime I I hear about these kinds of, like, just ridiculous things people do to themselves, I imagine them having to explain why they're doing it. Tom? Take us away. Liam? Let's get... Let's get sad. Well, thank you, um, Liam, for that internet creepypasta. I've got one myself. Slender Man. Yeah. <gasps> I saw you po- I saw you tweet about this and I knew immediately what this story are was going to be. Are we doing what the documentary is about? The Slenderman is a creation of forum website Something Awful from a 2009 Photoshop contest encouraging users to edit everyday photos to appear paranormal. The creature in question appears tall and thin, humanoid, with unnaturally long limbs a featureless face, and a smart, fashionable black suit and tie. He looks absolutely dapper. Yeah. Uh, He will, or it, I guess, would appear in the background of old black and white photos, usually featuring children, accompanied with, uh, you know, text to suggest a broader fiction. Uh, This separated... who's that tall guy in the background? Yeah. (laughs) Creepy. Um... This, this separated the creature from mere aesthetic uh, representation to something greater, something more. And it kind of becomes a folktale. I actually, when I found out about this, I did not know that it had been created by the internet. I thought that it was like... Uh, Americana? Yeah, it, I mean, it is. Well, um, you know what I mean, though. Yeah. Like a non-internet Americana. Folktale. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I, I knew it was created by the internet, but I was surprised at how recent it was. Like, the fact that yeah. it took off in yeah, 2009 yeah, it's not surprised that long me. Ago. I thought it would have been, like, 2003, 2004. He has been the focus of several games, short films, and creepypastas. The everybody... Eight Pages and Marble Hornets. Yeah. Everybody knows what a creepypasta is, right? It's it's just, like, a short, scary story on the internet. Can I, can I explain it? Can I explain it? Yes, Liam, you can explain it. Do it. Okay, so in the, I think, early aughts, um, there was a very popular, uh, I don't know if there was a website called Copypasta, but there was a very very popular sort of type of, like, internet communications called Copypastas, uh, copy, copy which were just, like, things that you would copy and paste, hence the name. And then uh, eventually someone was like, hey, instead of just doing something silly or poignant, I'll do something scary. And it became creepy pastas, which are just... Uh, it started as usually very short uh, horror stories, but now they're sprawling nine, ten part series, and they're almost all garbage. Like, just a just a, a whirlpool of gore and child molestation. Yeah, I was going to say... Nothing God. but shock value. 
It's it's a nightmare graveyard of of bad morals and bad attitudes. I was going to say that I know that the only thing I really know is that Chris Straw wrote the best one. Uh, the Slenderman fiction is largely left up to the imagination of the reader. His purpose and motivations are sort of unclear, with the fate of his victims left largely up to the imagination. Well, some say that he dissects them and puts their organs in plastic bags, where yeah. others say that he just kills them and sends them to the underworld. Uh, usually his he kidnaps children, um, although it could be anybody. Like I said, this is this is a very pliable fiction we're working with here. Uh, they'll kidnap like a victim. Sil- it's like aluminum. Yeah. Real malleable. Uh, they'll kidnap a victim after audiovisual hallucinations uh, and make sure they are never heard from again. One such interpretation of the fiction features proxies. Let me say that again. <gasps> proxies. proxies. Ooh, Essentially ooh. those who follow the Slenderman, do his bidding, and escape his harm as a result. Um, some people think that he's real. Oh, so I do know what story we're talking about. Yes, awesome. you do. Sweet. Two of those people live, or lived, I guess, in uh, Waukesha, Waukesha, Wisconsin. 12-year-olds Morgan E. Geyser and Anissa E. Weyer. Anissa. Anissa E. Weyer, who wish to become his proxies and thereby prove their loyalty to him, prove his existence, and save their families from harm. Hey, Anissa, what do you want to do tonight? Uh, I don't know. I'm reading Teen Beat Magazine and not getting any good ideas. I have a fun idea. Do you want to conjure a dark lord? (laughs) Yeah. I've been reading Teen Vogue, and they have a lot of really poignant political points to make about Donald Trump, or we could murder a friend. Additionally, they also think that in becoming his proxies, they'll be allowed to live in his mansion in the woods. I haven't heard of that shit. That's, again, pliable fiction here. So okay, so fair warning. I've I've seen the the doc- recent documentary they made about this. It's I couldn't finish it. Absolutely unwatchable. Um, but they did show uh, the police interviews, mm-hmm. and they talk about like we were gonna live in his mansion. It's out in the middle of the woods. Like so, this is all <laughs> they believed some crazy things. Oh yeah, they're they are like deep in the shit. They're cocoa for cuckoo puffs. They believed that the only way they could accomplish uh, becoming a proxy was through violence, specifically murder, a, sort of a sacrifice. So they invite uh, their lifelong friend, Peyton, to a hangout slash sleepover on May 31st, 2014. They go to a place called Skateland, basically a party venue to hang out and come home at about 9.30. Uh, after seeing a drain in the bathroom at Skateland, they decide to kill Peyton there, thinking that the blood will just run down the drain. Um, Geyser was apparently uh, very uncomfortable with the encroaching reality of the situation, saying, telling police hey, later that she hey, thought, Hey, I noticed that you're getting kind of squeamish on me. What's, what's up? Let's talk about this. What's wrong? We're going to go kill our friend. What's, what's up? Later, she told the police that she thought, quote, Dear God... This is really happening. Did you did you say how old these two were, by the way? Twelve years Twelve. old. Twelve. Great. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Eric is jazzed. I'm, oh yeah. I don't like stories about kids hurting other kids. Yeah. This is the scene of the first attempt. 
where Geyser restrains the victim, even hitting her head against a brick wall before having, like, a complete mental breakdown. Uh, she began pacing and singing to herself, and Weyer sent Peyton outside so she could calm Geyser down. Shocker, the 12-year-olds are not, like, great at this whole murder thing, but Peyton is not great at the whole getting the fuck away thing. Well, Tom, that's... So here's the thing I wanted to bring up that you... I don't think you know about this. Peyton was only the lifelong friend of one of yes, them. Yes, yes. Okay, okay. Then never mind, never mind. Yeah. Uh, she was lifelong friends with, I believe it was Morgan. Yeah. And so Peyton continues to play with these girls who've just assaulted her. Um, though I guess, you know what, thinking about it, I like I've been, I went to a few birthday parties where I got the crap kicked out of me, and I... St- like put up with it eric and i definitely have yeah what fight club themed birthday parties fought each other's dads in the mud but we were like the the most that i remember from our childhood is like ever all of my former friends after i left liam's uh middle school was that they all joined the wrestling team and there wasn't one at my school so all of a sudden if i ever started anything they could just all take me down very easily I didn't. Didn't join the wrestling team? Wrestling yeah, no, I, no, I did. Uh, wait, what? But I did join the wrestling team, but I didn't wrestle anyone outside of wrestling, so I was like, effort? You also, no, you also you. like, I like in whatever physical confrontations, you were not, like, you know, a big shot. Intimidating? <laughs> just, not, just not that great at it. No. <laughs> I look like a substitute teacher. <laughs> One time, uh, when I was in fourth grade, uh, we had, like, a bamboo forest out by our playground, and we would play with the bamboo, and a bunch of the fifth graders all took bamboo shoots and just beat the shit out of me for, like, 15 to 20 minutes. It was awful. Yeah, that sounds like it's... uh, We had a similar thing, and we just, like, had, you know, sword fights, essentially, like fencing matches, where no one ever got hurt. It was nice. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Um, so then the three girls all go out into the woods to play hide and seek because uh, the, the two the two murder girls are at this point like, hey, you know, hide and seek's a pretty great time to kill somebody. So, like, this is like a literal horror movie here. Um, they make a second failed attempt where Weyer tackles Peyton but struggles with holding her down. Uh, Geyser hands Weyer the knife, but Weyer becomes squeamish and hands it back. Uh, Peyton begins to loudly struggle, and so Weyer releases her so as to not attract attention. Geyser, holding the knife... I can't fucking believe this. Uh, I just Geyser, I just went on Wikipedia and found out how it ended, so I wasn't going to be surprised. It's not a fun ending! Well, it's not great. It's not ideal, but... Dude, it proves that Slenderman isn't real, so it's a real bummer ending. <laughs> Geyser, holding the knife, turns to Weyer and says, I'm not going to until you tell me to. And as Peyton plays with the flowers on the ground, Hey, Peyton! Good looking out! These people have tried to, like, assault you twice! Get out of there, girl! Fool me once. Shame on me. Oh my god. Fool me twice. Call your dad. Like, a knife has changed hands at this point. Anyone can have a knife, Tom. Listen, I'm not I'm not blaming Peyton. I'm not. Because like when I go and hang out with like you guys, I'm not like, 
oh, you know what? I should probably keep an eye on these two because, like, what if they stab me with something? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, there um, is this kind of thing, like, when you're when you're a kid, you hang out with other kids, and if they do something, like, fucked up, you kind of just assume that's how, you know, kids are. Like, you may not be yeah. like that, but there is this kind of thing, like, oh, they're doing this, that's how this world works. Yeah. Also, like, they're 12 years old. I would never, ever, ever, like, not at least the, the social situations I grew up in, I would not conceive of any of those people murdering me so Weyer tells geyser quote kitty now go ballistic go crazy geyer walks to or geyser walks to peyton and says quote don't be afraid i'm only a little kitty cat pushes her over that that i would still be afraid and stabs her 19 times in the arms torso and legs puncturing her stomach liver and pancreas um she later would describe the sensation of stabbing a body as like air like the like the feeling of a knife entering a human being as feeling like pushing it through the air yucka do <laughs> uh, at this point in the story it becomes clear how hard how like hard Peyton goes because after being stabbed now after being Julius Caesared Peyton screams at Morgan I hate you I trusted you do you know what I would be busy doing if I had just been stabbed 19 times going into shock (laughs) (laughs) but Peyton's like nah like fuck that she's not having this and she's like you I hate you the last thing the last thing I'm gonna do on this earth before I die is tell my murderer I hate you. And that rules. Peyton fucking owns. Uh, She tries to get up and walk away, but is unable to. Her wounds are too bad. Um, The girls bring her deeper into the woods and tell her to lie down, that she would lose less blood that way. They tell her that they're going to... Where uh, where are their medical degrees from? They tell her that they're going to get help. Uh, John Hopscotch University? um, Shocker. They're not going to get help. They wash up in a Walmart bathroom and spend the next few hours crying and singing until they are picked up by the police. Where's Peyton's body now? But the police normally pick up girls that are just crying and singing. Where's Peyton's body now? Weyer asked. The detective informed her that Peyton was, in fact, alive. Hardest motherfucker on the block. I survive. Like she is, she is so badly wounded that she cannot walk, and she crawled from the woods to the road because she is stone cold blooded. Uh, she is, and she was discovered by a passing cyclist. There, uh, was taken to the hospital. Uh, was released after six days, which is wild. If I had been like again, if I had been stabbed nineteen times and managed to make it to the hospital without dying. I would be like, guys, I think we're just going to take, like, the next month off. Does that seem cool with you? Like, let me... Hey, hey, Barbara, clear all my calls. I'm taking the month off. It's just for me. Babs, I'm out of here. And she was allowed to return to school in fall of 2014. Um, don't stab your friends. 
The person next to her, ugh, math sucks. And she turns and is like, you don't know. Want to see some sucks. scars? Dude, My right? My friend. God. After that, nobody... Now she's nobody, Edgar Allan Poe. Nobody would ever bully you. Like, what are you going to do to me? Like, fit, like, like I know what are you 50 gonna do got, to me? like, shot. me? Yeah, like, she, like, 50 got oh. shot. She tried to she stab me, and I'm still She got stabbed 19 times. Here. She could kick 50's ass. Um... Yeah. The judge, and and this is what I'm going to end it on, um, because this is actually incredibly relevant. Two days ago, it was uh, released that the judge had just announced uh, Morgan Geyser's trial will begin on October 2nd of this year, and a hearing on the same motions from Anissa Weyer is scheduled for next week. So, you know, keep keep an eye on the courts, y'all. Well, yeah, in the, in the movie, they talk about how uh, they think that Morgan wanted to kill Peyton because Peyton used to be really close with Anissa hmm. um, before before Morgan was friends with her. And they think that I, I might be getting the names mixed up, but I'm pretty sure it's the one. They think that the one with the shorter hair was jealous of the one with the longer hair being friends with Peyton, and uh, the, that's kind of how this whole thing got got started. Wow. Yeah. Jealousy kills. Jealousy kills indeed. All right. Eric? Sports analogy as a story. <laughs> How much do you guys know about basketball? It's my favorite sport. I like the way they dribble up and down the court. I keep it so fresh on the microphone. I like no interruption when the game is on. I could keep going, but I won't. Well, Tom, how much do you know about basketball? Um, I know, I know a fair amount. LeBron James, Kobe Bryant... That one guy tried to, like, dunk and broke his leg in half, and that's all I know about basketball. Okay. What about Blake Griffin? Do you guys... Do Larry you guys... Bird? Michael Jordan? You said him already. Do you guys know who Tim Duncan is? Oh, yeah, yeah Tim! Duncan yeah, I just got off the golf course with Tim. I just got off the, the golf hoop course. course with Tim. Do you guys not know who he is the at all? The hoop court? Absolutely I've heard the name not. Tim Duncan. I, I couldn't tell you what team he played for. Uh, I... That's that's great. Do you know who Kevin Gar- Do you know who Kevin Garnett is? Yes, I no. know who Kevin Garnett is. He played for the Timberwolves. I, oh really my god, time. that's perfect. Okay, so I'm gonna. Tell I don't you, know shit about shit about shit about basketball. I just like that Liam knows really who one of them is and not who the other one is, and it's the per like you're you're so, like you should know who Kevin Garnett is and you should know who Tim Duncan is, but nobody does. So. This is going to be a story about those two basketball players. So at first glance, Kevin Garnett and Tim Duncan are uh, pretty similar. Um, they are the exact same height. They're both six foot eleven. Um, okay. Damn. Yeah. Fucking they shit. Play, they play the same. They're giants. They they are they are the same age. They were born within a month of each other. Um, Christ because of their height, they played the same position. They both played power forward. They're both considered to be. Uh, some of the best power forwards to ever play the game. They both prefer red wine with their fish and uh, french fries as their cheat day food. Okay, so <laughs> this is where the similarities stop. So I'm going to give you a quick biography. <laughs> what I said is where the similarities yeah, yeah. stop. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a quick biography for both of them. So okay. Tim okay. Duncan was born in 1976. He was born in St. Croix, which is part of the U.S. Virgin Islands. He did not play basketball until uh, his freshman year of high school. Because for most of his youth, he was a competitive swimmer, and he was really and he was really good at it. Like he was thinking like he could maybe go to the Olympics at some point, 
But then in 1989, uh, Hurricane Hugo hit St. Croix, and it destroyed the only Olympic-sized pool on the island. So his swimming team goes and, like, it's fine, we'll just swim in the ocean. Mm-mm. And Tim Duncan quits swimming because he is scared of sharks. Yeah, that, that's fair. That is a totally reasonable fear to have. Have you ever seen a shark? Yes. Have you Have seen, seen the inside Jaws? of a shark's mouth? Yeah. Have you seen what a shark does to a human being? Okay, listen, I know that vending machines kill more human beings or blah, 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 blah. But sharks are, like, viscerally terrifying creatures. Okay. You know why? Because they have mouths with infinite teeth. Do you know what a vending machine has inside of it? Fucking Cheetos. One of those things is scary and the other is not, okay? It's, a, it's okay to be afraid of a shark. <laughs> okay, but he was in a, a competitive swimmer. A competitive swimmer who had, like, dreams of going to the Olympics and stopped because he was scared of them. He For stopped, his totally yeah. reasonable fear he of dying in a mouth full Eric, of teeth. Sharks sharks have so many teeth, their skin are basically like, more teeth. if you're going to get over this fear, and he, I think he did later in his life, it would be then. You know what I'm afraid of, Eric? Bullets ripping through my flesh. I don't want to have people shoot next to my face. That's not going to make me any less afraid of a thing that can kill me in seconds, Eric. <laughs> Open water is what scares I'm me. I'm angry. Currents. Oh my god. Getting tired and then falling in the water where a big fish will eat me up. So he's so. Scared. And I grew up. I grew up in, in fucking Hawaii, man. Okay, listen. I get like I get I get how beautiful marine animals Wait, are. Wait, what? But. But when sharks? did you grow up in Hawaii? When I was a kid. I didn't know that. Yeah. That. From ages one to four. Or from two I to not... five, rather. I was lived in Hawaii for four years. So I love I love sharks. They are, they are for sure nice creatures, but they are also full of murder and, and power. Exactly. Like, they're very strong they're animals. So, yeah. Tom calls sharks daddy. Tim Duncan loses interest in swimming. Because of this, he stops going to practices and eventually just quits the team. Uh, and at this point, he is 13 years old and he's six feet tall. So, and his uh, brother-in-law lives on the island, and uh, they built a basketball hoop for him to kind of goof around with. And he, you know, people notice that Tim Duncan's the six-foot-tall 13-year-old, and the brother-in-law thinks he's probably going to top out around six four, six five. So he starts teaching Tim ha. the fundamentals of the game, but he teaches him the skills that a point guard would, a shooting guard or a point guard would learn, like passing routes, uh, how to guard the perimeter, how to shoot from a distance, not stuff that a big man would know. And and that's how he gets into it. It should, uh, on a sad note, on it should be mentioned that a day before Tim Duncan's 14th birthday, his mom passed away uh, oh, from wow. breast cancer. She made him promise that whatever else he did, he would get a college degree. So Tim Duncan starts playing basketball in high school, and he's really good because he get he just keeps getting taller, and he's clearly got a better grasp of the game than the other guys. He just kind of dominates everyone like that he plays on the island, um, and he gets recruited by a few different universities, uh, one of which is uh, Wake Wake Forest University. Um, and the head coach visits him, 16-year-old Tim Duncan, and he and he comes away thinking that Tim Duncan's kind of an idiot. When he's talking to Tim Duncan, Tim Duncan just has this like 
totally blank look and he doesn't even seem to be paying attention and he leaves thinking like well jesus that guy like i can't have that guy he doesn't he, he barely even listened to me i it's also said that this time that uh alonzo morning uh hall of fame center played tim duncan at the age of 16 in a five on five game and duncan played into a draw damn and he eventually oh, does go to Wake Forest University, and he has a rough time because the coach initially doesn't really trust him. But he proves himself freshman year, and by the end of his sophomore year, people are saying, you should just go pro, stop stop playing college ball. You can make a ton of money by just uh, going now because a rookie salary cap was being introduced like the next year. So if he, if he waited two more years, he would have gotten significantly less money. Damn. But he made a promise to his mother... Ah, that he'd get a college That he'd get a college degree. degree. And he does. He stays in college all four years. He majors in psychology with excellent grades. And he him. never wins a college championship, but he takes his team to the, I think, not the final four. I think the final, the, the Sweet 16. The March least. Madness or something, right? That's how, <laughs> yeah. That's what they do in the yes, basketball. Tom. They win the Atlantic. That's college basketball, which is a much better sport. They do win the Atlantic Conference Championship a couple times, but they never make it too far in March Madness in the NCAA tournament. So he enters the, uh, the NBA in 1977. Going to talk about Kevin Garnett now. He started playing basketball in middle school. He was really good. He got big. He grew up in South Carolina. Um, his dad left his mom pretty much as soon after he was born. Um, and he then, and the dad was kind of replaced with the stepdad who did not get along with Kevin Garnett. Um, and Kevin Garnett was also involved in a fight between black students and white students. Kevin Garnett is black uh, in high school and he was charged with second degree lynching. That I, I sounds even... a little toned down. Right? <laughs> Um, even even though Kevin did he get like a joke police ticket? Do they do that with someone? I don't. And Kevin Garnett was this Ashton? Most, Ashton, get out most here! Most people around say that Kevin Garnett wasn't even like taking part. He was just kind of there. And but arrest him, the one watching. But the school intervened and got the charges dropped. And he cops, man. changed high school and did not go to college. He signed immediately with the NBA. And so I think he, I think he joined the NBA a couple years before Tim Duncan did. So seventy five, nine. Sorry, you said. I think he, you said Tim Duncan joined in seventy in, uh, in ninety seven. Ninety yeah. seven. Cool. I think I think Garnett joined in ninety five, and I don't know if you got this impression at all, but Kevin Garnett pretty quickly gets a reputation for being not just kind of crazy, but also really mean. Oh no! <laughs> how how mean we talking? Are we talking like um? Stop trying to make fetch happen, mean. Or are we talking like, hey, you and me on the blacktop later, I'm going to fucking rip off your dick. So there are multiple articles on the internet that you can find. Okay, hold on, hold on. Tom Kevin gave Garnett's you a very yeah, basic I asked parameter. a question, Eric. I've got a list, Tom. Oh, whoa, whoa. Would you whoa, like to hey, hear, man? Right. Would you like to hear what I'm going to say? Well, not anymore. <laughs> Not if you're gonna come to me like that, at in our house. Yeah, in in this dojo. Listen, in our dojo here on Media Majors, we have a strict policy that the guests treat us with utmost respect. And we're a gi. <laughs> what is you, the list, Eric? Lock me. 
Now, the reason I say fuck you, lock me, is first mm-hmm. of all, because you're being kind of a bitch. Second of all, yeah. is because Kevin Garnett's response yes. is very similar when a player named Joaquin Noah, who's pretty famous now, he plays for the Chicago Bulls, in his rookie season, Joaquin Noah comes up to Kevin Garnett and goes and essentially goes like, yo, I had your poster on my wall, like, I, I looked up to you for a long time. Garnett says, fuck you, Noah. Whoa! That's his whole geez. response. What the hell? Because Kevin Garnett is a relentless trash talker. That's Love his that. whole persona in the NBA. So I've uh-huh. got... There are multiple lists online he's already. He's a heel. He's a heel. He is... No, because he's all... It's a shit He's deal. also a superstar. He immediately... He's really He dead. immediately finds success. He's He was mm. a superstar for the Timberwolves. The Minnesota Timberwolves paid him the largest contract extension of, I think, any professional sports player at the time. He was on the Timberwolves for a long he d- time. And he eventually joins the Celtics, uh, gets a championship with them, and plays with a couple other teams. Uh... A funny story is that when people were talking about him getting this largest contract ever, like the most per year amount of like any athlete at the time, uh, he put the Timberwolves on hold because he was listening to the new Janet Jackson album and didn't want to be disturbed. Well, it's, I mean, it is Janet. Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. Here's a list of things that Kevin Garnett has said and done to people in the NBA. So aside, uh, he is, like, I want to say he is a relentless, but also a weird trash talker. Mm. Like, he's known for not just being mean, he also does it in, like, weird, annoying ways. Like, is, it, is it like... Like Jim Carrey in Like, if he's, bent, he's, if he's, like, bent over trying to defend a guy, and the guy keeps his hand out, he'll pretend to bite at it. If a guy's <laughs> walking by him, he'll blow in his ear. Like... If 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 he just did something good and a guy is like doing an inbound pass, he'll blow in his yeah, ear. And in multiple games before an inbound pass, he's gotten on his knees and barked like a dog at people. What? I, okay, I I think I get it. He likes he likes doing stuff with his mouth. He likes being a weirdo with his mouth. Yeah, he's a little bit. Well, different. and a lot of his trash talk is also like not like shouting at people. He's just like whispering in their ear while he's defending them. So it gets, like, really intimate Come with the weird shit he He has made multiple NBA players cry on the basketball court. Oh, my God. Amazing. Andre Bla- How? Just Andre Blatch uh, was playing pretty well against Garnett, but his team was losing in the fourth quarter, and they were kind of losing steam. And Garnett was, like, just constantly talking to him. We don't know what he was actually saying. Um... Just, like, constantly at him. Con- like, anytime he made a mistake, he'd, like, laugh at him, that kind of thing. He made him so mad that uh, Blatch threw Garnett into a cameraman at one point, And, obviously, that's a foul, and Garnett made both of his free throws. <laughs> Is that in the rule books? Yeah. <laughs> um, and Break the damn hands. Can't make those fucking right, free throws. Right next to Dog Can't Play for NBA. And Garnett And Garnett's team goes on to win that game. Um, good for him. <laughs> uh, he's made other. He made his own teammate cry one time. Big Baby Davis was the guy's nickname. I think after this incident, uh, Glenn uh, Glenn Davis. I'm not sure about the first name. Davis was his teammate on the Celtics, and Garnett thought that the bench players weren't playing hard enough, 
and he got so in Davis's face that uh, Davis started crying on the sidelines. Garnett also does not stop trash talking when he's not playing. Well, then, okay, then this isn't trash talk. Then this is like, I, and I mean, like, there's like a there's, blurred line no, no, there's, between being a dick and trash talk, but like, which he crosses. That's just being a dick. He's a he's a huge. Then that's just being he's actually an asshole person. and bringing the fact that he's an asshole onto the court. Um, it like he's like there's a video of him on the sidelines in street clothes. Like, there's no way he's even going to play. Like shouting abuse at players when they like miss a shot um i will not repeat what he says oh my God. yes you will um nope i will not uh How... just say just say what word it is when it comes to the racial stuff oh it's oh he uses the n-word frequently that's why i won't say it yeah that's just, just i just uh, <laughs> i'm no um he's also mean Boo. he's also mean to like the reporters like, there's, there's a video, there's a great video of him getting interviewed by a reporter who's wearing, like, a pink suit, and... Oh, he's gonna say some, like, whack misogyny, isn't he? No, no, he doesn't even do that. It's much better. He just goes, like, he's just, like, every time the reporter, like, tries to ask you a question, he goes, like, look, yeah, that's all great, but you need to listen to me now. You take this, and you burn it. That's what he says repeatedly. What a fucking dickhead this guy um very strange you've dude. done a good job of building him up as a villain though and i'm very excited <laughs> for tim duncan to take him down so with shark teeth there's one hopefully one last thing before i get to the meat of this um and that's how he conquers his fear the, back to big baby davis davis is a big guy like he's well yeah he's a big he's baby a big, yes. strong dude and why, why there is he was, called Big Baby? There was a thing, because he, cause cause he's he a cried giant baby. Um, during games. Oh. Um, oh. And he was, was, he was right. challenging everyone to an arm wrestle tournament. And essentially what happened was, like, everyone who went up against Davis just lost, because he was so big and so strong. Like, he beat everybody. Yeah. Kevin Garnett waits until he is, like, done this, like, a bunch of times. Like, until he's so already he done, like, ten different arm wrestling bat matches and then goes all right i'll take you on and they start and they don't move the two arms like their two arms just stay stationary kevin garnett just goes like no i'm not moving that's just not gonna happen he waits there for like a minute and a half and then sees davis starting to get tired and slams his arm down and gets up yelling like i am the alpha male in this bitch don't you all forget it <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. That is a real story. Oh my god. Now, dude, that is a man who amazing. wants to get his ass beat. Now, here's here's the last thing I'm going to tell you about Kevin Garnett. This is a rumor. It has never been confirmed. There is no actual evidence that this happened. Oh. Our old friend allegedly ah, comes yeah. through. This is very head. likely to not be true, but it bears repeating because he says it to Tim Duncan. He says. Happy Mother's Day, motherfucker, on Mother's Day, Fun 1999. Yikes. You'll remember that Tim Duncan's mother died. When he was 14. Yeah. Dude, if this story does not end with Tim Duncan yanking this fool, yanking his fool fucking ass <laughs> on the court and beating his teeth in, I'm going to be real bummed out. So I never, I never actually talked to you about like Tim Duncan's style of play. Mm -hmm. Tim Duncan yeah. is like the op the opposite totally of Kevin Garnett. 
They both have like very um, deliberate personas on the court. Kevin Garnett is a crazy person who is always mean to everybody. Tim Duncan is nothing. He gives no emotion at any time. Like there's there's this great quote from an article that I that I use a lot um, when I was researching this by uh, Chris Ballard for uh, Sports Illustrated that Tim Duncan's expressions run from stoic to indifferent while he's on the court. He gives you nothing. He doesn't even talk to opponents. He is just silent. He also doesn't talk to reporters, but that's just because he doesn't like talking to reporters. That's fair. He doesn't do endorsement deals. He doesn't go on social media to, like, bitch about his coach or anything. He never rocks the boat. He is silent, and he is a good teammate. That is, like, literally all anyone has to say about him during his entire NBA tournament. Um, I should say that when he was drafted to the... uh, when, When... the time came for him to be drafted. Uh, the Spurs were looking for looking at him. The San Antonio Spurs and uh, Greg Popovich, the head coach, goes to St. Croix to talk to him because they're thinking about drafting him first overall in the draft. What they do is he kind of just hangs out with Tim Duncan for like three days. They just like lie on the beach and talk about life. They go swimming in the ocean because he's over the fear now, I guess. Like this <laughs> is how they get to. Know, they don't even talk about basketball. That's how, that's how he gets to know him and decides that he's a good player for the organization. Mm-hmm. And San Antonio needed a star at that point. They were uh, referred to by sports writers at the time as the San Antonio Softies. Aww. They, oh. They were... Whoa! Eric, let's calm down with some of this salty language because you're throwing at they us. Because um, they were coming off a losing Soft. season. Uh, they draft that just him. makes me want to give him a big hug. They say that sounds like yeah. it would be a very pleasant experience. And again... Why not the Rusty Spurs Again, this is in 97. Like the... The, ah, before humor was The invented. next year, Tim Duncan joins. They have not had a losing season since. Wow. Yeah, the Spurs are a good team now. The Spurs... Well, I mean, this is, have been a good team for a while. They have... Uh, since then, I think they have a, like a 70% win percentage which is the highest of any team over that course of period of time ever. Damn. Uh, with Tim Duncan, they win five championships. They win one in 99, one in 03, one in 05, one in 07, and then one in 2013. Um, and I'm not going to like go into the nitty-gritty here and tell you like, each championship, but like a couple highlights. The Tim, the Tim Duncan-led Spurs are really good at two things. One, Poka. if they get beaten by someone in the playoffs, usually about two, three years later, they'll have figured out a way to beat them and will win when they go up against them again. Um, this Adaptive. this happens with uh, Shaquille O'Neal's Lakers. There's they gotcha. lose to them twice in the cha- in the. Uh... Is hang on a second. Is that how they beat Shaq? What? Fucking Eric, Eric Carter! Eric, are you Eric oh, me. Carter, my guy? Sorry, it just took me a second. Liar. Get your he head in the game. Ta- uh, that's High School Musical, but yeah, you gotta get your head in the game. <laughs> yeah. So they they do eventually win against them, and then they go on to win the championship that year. Tom, that's the best joke you've ever made. <laughs> Easily. <laughs> uh, ten out of ten. They beat uh, the LeBron, uh, the Cavaliers, led by a young LeBron James in two thousand seven. I think they sweep them, actually. 
Like they just Yikes. they just come in and just destroy them. And then later on, the Miami Heat with LeBron go up against the San Antonio Spurs and they win. They beat the Spurs in the finals in 2012. And then 2013 is just a rematch. The same two teams come back to the finals. And this time the Spurs beat the Heat four games to one. Love it. And LeBron James leaves the Heat after that season. Tim Duncan does not retire until the end of the 2016 season. Damn. Yeah. Wow. 20 years yeah, almost. Yeah, he's... No, that wait, was, sorry. He retired... Yeah, yeah, He retired years. last year, and he's 40 now. Um, oh that's God. incredible. And also, over this run, the Spurs faced, like, direct opposition from the NBA itself because... David Stern doesn't like the way the Spurs play basketball. Who's David Stern? David Stern is the commissioner of the NBA at the time. Uh, he obviously... What do you mean he doesn't like the way the Spurs play basketball? The Spurs play basketball in a pretty boring way to watch. Tim Duncan, like most fans, don't really know who he is because he isn't like interesting to watch. He's just really good. Like all his fundamentals are great, but he hardly ever dunks the ball, and if he does, it's just like a light put in. He doesn't really like. Whoa, 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 whoa! But his last name. His Eric, last name is. His last so name is much. Duncan. He's six foot eleven, and he hardly ever dunks. This is a travesty hmm. beyond. This That's... might be worse than. Because the remember, league. he like like he was trained as a point guard, so he's a better shooter than he is like an inside player. Also, but he is also really good at playing inside. Like, he's really good he's at just... He's so fucking big! He's really good at, like, just getting layups. He doesn't care about doing dunks. Tom, playing inside... In the paint. ...is when a player kind of... In the paint of the, the like, rectangle that's painted off on the basketball court, mm-hmm. as opposed to playing outside, uh, you know, making three points or, uh, you know, painting yeah. from inside the, the, the little half circle. Yeah. Um, okay. Tim Duncan's really good at just kind of, like, peeling off from a defender, doing a little, like hook shot that goes off the backboard and in nothing fa- like he doesn't even do swishes all that often like he's just not that's nothing he's but just net. not fun to watch and the spurs don't give a shit about how well, fun let they me are tell to you watch. something eric it's not fun to listen to either <laughs> <laughs> and so eric eric i have a question what the fuck does any of this have to do with kevin garnett it doesn't i'm just i just like tim duncan a lot Oh, so we're just... Oh, okay. So, the, okay, yeah. I, di- I didn't realize but this was a Tim Duncan fan cast. Yeah. Hey, everybody. <laughs> welcome to the Tim Duncan Welcome back fan to cast. Dunkin' Donuts. I'm your host, Liam Sr. and Tom Lockney and yeah. Eric McAdams, and we're going to talk Tim Duncan. Yeah, we're, we're apparently... This man, it, it, clearly very talented at basketball, but not fun... Oh, well, Tom, it's my favorite sport. To watch? Play basketball? Yeah. Why are we talking about this? Because, because, Tim Duncan's whole thing is that he's silent. Like, he's not, he isn't interested in being famous. And so, what do you think happens when Kevin Garnett encounters this? Kevin Garnett gets real fucking pissed off. Kevin Garnett can't handle it. He's like, he's he's a relentless trash talker with Tim Duncan. Most other guys, like, just give up after a little while. Not Kevin Garnett. (laughs) He can't deal with it. That's why you get shit like Happy Mother's Day, motherfucker. Because Kevin Garnett can't let it go. So, there's there's a great quote from Malik Rose in this one Sports Illustrated article about Tim Duncan. They say, like, 
actually, like, you'd think it wouldn't matter, but trash-talking Tim Duncan is the last thing you want to do. Because he doesn't show it, but he does get angry, and that's when he destroys you. Tim Duncan has an extended rivalry with Kevin Garnett, where Kevin Garnett mm-hmm. just will not let it go, but Tim Duncan never reacts. He never, like, ever, like, gives in to anger. At one point, at one point near the end of his, and Tim Duncan is just like a, a, a what are you, those like British guards at Buckingham Palace. He's the fucking theaters. Terminator. If you watch him play, there's nothing there. Like there's, <laughs> there's no expression ever. Like he's it's. Ugh. Anyway, late late in their careers, a reporter asked Duncan if over the course of this rivalry there had been some kind of respect that grew between him and Garnett. Oh, some kind of absolutely. He not. asked him if there was some kind of kinship. Tim Duncan responds with two words. He says, define kinship. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he said. And, like, everything he says is so flat. He just, like, like nothing that he says is interesting. Everything he says is just nothing. Um, so, I looked up the box score to this game that the Spurs played against the Timberwolves on Mother's Day. The Spurs mm-hmm. won. Well, yeah. Tim Duncan outperforms Kevin Garnett in every statistical category on there. <laughs> Amazing. And this is the story that continues for their whole career. Tim Duncan is by far the better power forward. Kevin Garnett's one of the best to ever play the game. Tim Duncan might be the best power forward ever to play. So Tim, That's I incredible. guess you could say that Tim Duncan uh, would dunk on Kevin Garnett. Tim Duncan over no, his career no. and averages more points. You've ruined. You've now tainted oh, the shot joke from Yikes. earlier. Tim Duncan over his career averages more points per game, more rebounds your, per game, your more Your dessert ruined dinner. Like, over the course of his career, he just statistically dominates Garnett in just every way possible. And the the best part of this is, Tim mm-hmm. Duncan and Kevin Garnett play against each other a lot over the course of this time. They play, I believe, sixty one times including postseason oh games. Oh, my God. Garnett only wins 17 times. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. Tim Duncan plays as well or better against Kevin Garnett as he does against everyone else in the league. Oh, that's Garnett does vicious. no better against That has got to fucking vicious. hurt Kevin Garnett. <laughs> also, oh, I, I mentioned it. this, but Garnett won one championship with the Celtics that he had to join, like, it wasn't even the team that like gave him all the money and gave him his start. He had to join another team which already had superstars. Yeah, he was like one yeah, of three. It was Ray him Allen and... and Paul Pierce. Um, yeah. And how, on the other hand, Tim Duncan came to a team that had a losing record and brought them five championships. That's I the end it. of the story. That's why Tim Duncan's my favorite player. Cool. Tim Duncan. Rules. That's great. The British guard of basketball. Yeah, that's a good way to describe him. That would bring us to the end of another episode of Media Majors, but... Uh, Oh, good. You're already there. Listeners, as you will know, we like to do a new segment on this show at the end of every episode because sometimes we talk about some... uh, some heady, some heady topics, like 12-year-olds trying to murder another 12-year-old. Um... And butt yeah. stuff. Gallons of semen. And so at the end of every episode, we like to, you know, cleanse that palate with the self-care corner where we tell something 
from our week that has brightened our day, our life, our light, our world. Liam. Uh, well, I have been doing wag walks this week with this dog named Cooper, Aww. who is the ugliest little mutt I've ever <laughs> seen, and he's my favorite thing in the world. His eyes aren't right, like one drifts off to the right while the other doesn't. His teeth are all over the place. His nose is crooked. And he's the tiny he's tiny and bald oh in some parts. But he's he's my world. He's the Danny DeVito of dogs. I I will protect him. He's the tiniest little thing. Even his leash is like mini. Everything oh. about it is small. That sounds... And we walk, we have to use this creaky old elevator, and I'm like, all right, Cooper, let's go. And he never wants to leave, because it's too cold, and he doesn't have a coat. <laughs> and he, like, goes and around the apartment once, and he's like... Yeah, he's balding! Of course he's, he's he gets cold! That's terrible! Buy him a coat! Cooper! Shoutouts to Coop. Medium Major's mascot. Yep. All right. Uh, my self-care corner is... So I woke up on Monday... And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so hungover. <laughs> this is hell. <laughs> and I went on the Internet, and I went on to E3.com. Oh, yeah. And I waited oh, in a yeah, queue. Oh, yeah, I heard about this. I managed to get in the queue. They were only selling 15,000 tickets because this is the first time ever that E3 has been letting public, completely yeah. open to the public. And I managed to and? sneak in at 12,000. I have a ticket. I'm going to E3. E3 nice. is the Electronic Entertainment Expo for anybody who doesn't know. It's like it's the big it's one. It's the biggest uh, consumer convention con- yeah. in all of gaming, and I have wanted to go literally since I was like a little kid. I'm gonna get to go to fucking E. Guys, I'm gonna get to go to fucking E3. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this is amazing. What do you, what do you think you're gonna play? I don't. I'm gonna. Ju- I'd have no interest in waiting in like a three-hour-long line for like a triple-A game that I'm gonna see plenty of footage of. I'm just gonna hang out with indies. That seems I, smart. Like, yeah, because yeah, there will be no too. lines. Well, there will be some lines, but there will be shorter lines. I'll get to meet and talk with indie developers. Everybody who's anybody in the games industry is gonna be at E3. I'm gonna see the people. Who oh I've my been... god! P- p- oh my god! Oh my god! P- fucking fucking talk about our podcast all over the yeah, place. I'm gonna good. see people yeah. <laughs> that I, whose whose work I've been reading and videos I've been following since I was like a kid, like shit that like I raised myself on. So yeah, that's my self core corner. I'm going to E3. Eric, what 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 you got for us? What? Hit us with something nice. Honestly, though, like in the last couple days, the thing that made me the happiest is like the thing that probably like the one thing that shouldn't have made me happy, which is that I got Hector in Fire Emblem Heroes. I don't know. I know. And I don't care. <laughs> Neither of you are going to care. Um, Hector. <laughs> this will be edited. I, from I, I like games and even I don't give a shit. I know. <laughs> Proud of you, Eric. I'm glad that you got Hector out of the, the boy Gashapon. Yeah. Well, that brings this dog and pony show to a close. The tent's gotta go down. The clowns gotta wash up their clown makeup. The uh, elephants got to go back in their cages. And I have to go make myself vomit up the gallon of cum that I drank uh, during the course of this episode. Did you have a cum teeny? Yes. Is that with dry vermouth or sweet vermouth? Sweet, of course. Good. Uh, To represent the blood flowing in the direction. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Email us at mediamajorspodcast at gmail.com. Check out. We got a, 
we got another email, but it was from someone trying to get us Instagram followers. Oh. And, uh, uh, jokes on you, because we're not on Instagram. Check out MediaMajorsCast.com. Tell your friends about our podcast. We do not advertise. We just have word of mouth. And we love you, and we hope you love us, and we want more people to love us. Because we're so, so lonely. <laughs> Three lonely boys. Yeah. Am I a, par- wait, am I a part of Media Majors now? You're in the Media Majors extended family. Ah, yeah. Yeah. You're part of our, our cinematic universe. Yeah. Oh, wait. Which... Sorry, we should stop uh, recording first. Yeah. Okay. What's going to happen? I'm... We'll tell Just you next time on Media Majors. Yeah. We'll be there for you. We'll be there for you. Oh,